I wish I could put my fists through the whole clouds of beautiful town. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Lousy Beautiful Town, where we like to scream about Star Wars and put our fists through things. I'm your host, Abby, and I am joined by your other lovely host, Jess. Hey, what's up? (laughs) Not much, what's up with you? We got an episode for you this week. We have an episode where I think we just scream this entire episode. We are literally just going to scream about things. Capital Mm -hmm. T. (laughs) And put our fists through them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's even better because we don't have news. (laughs) So we can just jump right in. (laughs) So (laughs) I started writing our show notes last week um, after a particular event happened on Twitter in the Star Wars community. And I was mad to say the least (laughs) Mm -hmm. so my notes that i wrote are like the headers are fucking ridiculous um i think you should read them (laughs) yeah all right so since we don't have any news let's jump into the first uh bullet point which is all right fuckers let's talk about some goddamn bullshit i like this i'm ready (laughs) so uh this past week Last week, something like that, um, there were some people who were equating Game of Thrones fans wanting, creating a dumb petition to remake the last season to the Last Jedi haters who did, you know, similar things of remake the Last Jedi for a small price of $2 million. Um, (laughs) And it wasn't just one group of people. I saw no. multiple people saying this. And it yeah. was, oddly enough, all white men saying mm-hmm. this. So <laughs> go figure. Yep. So I think both of us will will say that the petitions are kind of dumb. But they don't mean anything. Right. Like- <laughs> right. Right. But, and I feel like they're not written from not created by people who have the same kind of issues with Game of Thrones that we do. Yeah. It's just like little fanboys who are upset that they didn't get what they wanted or something like that. But yeah, lots of people were kind of equating the two and um, uh, lots of us got really angry about it um, and tried to explain to a number of people, because like you said, there was a number of people who were doing this, tried to explain to a number of people why there's such a big difference between the people who want to remake the last season of Game of Thrones and the Last Jedi hate fan club. Yeah. I feel like the Last Jedi and Game of Thrones uh, criticisms are kind of similar in that they can be split into two schools of thought. The people who have genuine concerns and criticisms about criticisms about them and awful terrible human beings yes i agree (laughs) but yeah so let's let's talk about let's break them down real quick uh to talk about how they are different so the toxic the toxic last jedi haters hate the last jedi because they think luke sucks um and i wrote that they think luke sucks because he's not swinging his dick around 
because he didn't actually go into battle and mm. have a phallic lightsaber fight with his nephew and he just force projected <laughs> instead and then died. Oh no. They didn't want him. They didn't. Uh, he didn't do the violence that was never in his character to do. What? You mean this writing was actually consistent oh with my his character? God, and imagine that. Very unlike Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, if if y'all have not watched the full season, this last season of Game of Thrones, this, mm-hmm. pro- this episode probably isn't for you. Um, but I'm sure you can just go on Twitter and look at all the memes and figure out what happened <laughs> if you haven't watched it. Um, and you'll be caught up. Because yep. they're pretty great. <laughs> But yeah, so that that's a whole thing with um toxic masculinity that the last Jedi haters are like the toxic ones. I should say that yeah. um, I should make that explicitly clear that the people who made dumb petitions for two million dollar remake um, <laughs> are very much so threatened by anything that doesn't follow in the lines of toxic masculinity, which Luke sometimes does because he's a dude right but um for the most part in terms of the way he settles conflict he doesn't fall into the traps of toxic masculinity and apparently that makes him suck and not their luke skywalker so Mm -hmm. and you know what i'll be honest it was very hard to see luke grumpy and angry Mm -hmm. like i understand like people being upset by that because it's really hard to see your faves suffer and be upset and but you have to be able to to parse out if you're uncomfortable by this character arc because it's it's too real (laughs) or because it's not actually in line with what you wanted versus where the story is going um Mm -hmm. and both can be true but also I don't know. There, there were people that were complaining about this. were not complaining about that. They were basically right. just saying that this wasn't consistent. And it's like, no, it was narratively consistent for sure. Right. Um, things that also speaking of things that are consistent for uh, awful men, uh, they hate women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yeah. there are um, a couple of, of quote unquote, strong female characters in the last Jedi the two that uh, these these guys like to um, grab hold of are Holdo and Rose. I would put Carrie, well, not Leia, in yeah. that. Oh, because Leia Poppins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Heaven forbid Leia use any force powers right. that she might have laying dormant uh-huh. to save herself. Yeah. But these guys in particular break Rose Tico toys because spending on money, spending money on merchandise you hate is a great way to own the libs. <laughs> like what? What's the thought process? I'm going to spend my money. I'm going to contribute to Disney that I hate. <sighs> I don't understand either. There's a lot I don't understand. And then to make a YouTube video about it. Um, just, wow. <laughs> Um, I feel like also regarding um, Holdo, mm-hmm. I can see why people were upset oh, yeah. by Holdo, just because like she was not written to be a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Like we were supposed to be sympathizing with Poe because we know Poe. And so I understand like where that came from. And it was very, that whole Poe Holdo discourse was so exhausting for so long mm-hmm. because it was complicated. Right. 
And I think Brian Johnson was intending for it to be complicated, even though I don't necessarily agree with how he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a difference between not appreciating how a female character is written because so often female characters are written in negative lights and you have to understand that if Holda would have been a man, all the negative aspects of that character probably would have been overlooked. But there's a difference between knowing that a female character probably wasn't written well or given her due versus just hating her because she's a woman and she's in charge. (laughs) And that's not something we want women to do. Like, that's not okay. Right. Kind of in the same vein of, like, women having power, that's also how they feel about, like, women within fandom spaces or any marginalized person within a fandom space. Anybody who is not cis, white, straight, able-bodied, middle-class male because it it poses a threat to their authority. And we talked about this in our uh, online abuse episode a lot about how all of this is about power and control to try and get us out. And that's exactly what these people have done for over a year now. They've harassed multiple women within this fandom, including the two of us, and have put us in positions of further harassment and sometimes even danger. Like, I joked about it, I think, a couple of times. But, like, I got death threats from... Yeah. From these people. I got a lot of threats of sexual violence from people. It's kind of easy for other people to kind of just brush off and be like, well, you know, they're just they're just little buttheads who are whiny and need the attention. And it's like, okay, sure. But they're also sending me a real person, real thoughts of theirs. (laughs) Yeah. This doesn't come from nowhere. Like you don't just say you want someone to die because that's not really how you feel. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Understand that that is why many of us got frustrated with people who are equating these two groups is at the end of the day, it's not so much about it isn't it isn't so much about like what they think of the movie, because a lot of that is informed by their racism and sexism and so on and so forth. But it's also because it has something it's also deeply personal to us or at least to me, I would say, because I've had, like, weeks of my life taken away because, not taken away, but, you know, being shitty because I'm having to deal with a million and one dude bros coming into my mentions and being an asshole. Yeah, it's like them taking away your, uh, the whole online abuse thing is about taking away your feeling of safety in expressing your opinions. And not being able to do that is stressful and it's frustrating because like that's the whole that's the beautiful thing about social media is that everyone can say what they want and that's also the worst thing about social media is that everyone can say what they want but it gives marginalized folks a platform where they never would have had one otherwise most Mm -hmm. likely um and so when abusers want to fuck with that it's stressful because here we are like finally able to speak our minds and have other people out there that say, I agree with you and I feel the same way and it's so empowering and it's like connecting and it makes a community. And then to have some rando just come in and be like, well, fuck you. I hated the last Jedi. Like go die. Mm -hmm. Like, great. Well, now I don't feel safe saying what I want to say because I'm going to get these fuck boys in my mentions. Um, But that's the whole point to silence, silence people that are starting to take up space and it's being, it's being misconstrued as 
taking space away from them when they thought that they were the dominant population in the fandom for many years. And to be honest, like saying that the people who had criticisms about Game of Thrones, like lumping them into that kind of category is also kind of taking away our voices as well. Because by that, you're just saying that we're a bunch of people who are just never happy about anything and it wasn't the way I wanted. So it sucks and not listening to the very valid concerns we have. I saw so many white dudes be like, welcome to Star Wars fandom, Benioff and Weiss, Mm -hmm. because Star Wars fans are the worst. They're even worse than Game of Thrones fans. Like, you think this is bad. Like, wait till your Star Wars films comes out. (laughs) It's like, uh, that's not that's not the same. (laughs) And also a lot of Star Wars fans that are, quote, the worst are marginalized folks that have issues with representation and inclusion with Lucasfilm and the way characters are written, especially mm-hmm. women yeah, <laughs> like and people of color and LGBTQ characters. Do they even exist? <laughs> no, that's, the, that's why it's like so maddening. Right. It's like, it's not even the same thing, but it's all being erased anyway, because we're just all being lumped into the same umbrella of toxic fans. Right. And God, I've done so many, so many podcasts on this topic. Like I've been a guest <laughs> on many podcasts talking about this because like, but we still have to talk about it because people still can't understand the nuance, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating to keep having this conversation. Yeah. So, like, that being said, uh, th- like we were saying earlier, I'm sure there are people out there with their issue with Game of Thrones is not that of, a, like, a representation issue or a way that marginalized characters were treated. I'm sure there are people out there who are just being little buttheads. But at the end of the day, a lot of the people within our fandom circles we're talking about their their concerns and criticisms that aren't like well i wanted it to end this way a lot of it was a lot of women saying that they aren't into the rape is empowerment narrative which we talked about what two weeks ago yeah at length yeah (laughs) um and they're not down with them killing every woman of color who's ever even thought about a dragon show and we were frustrated with a woman going mad with little to no buildup. Because if you give a woman a power, she's going to burn down an entire city of surrendering, surrendering in innocence. Yeah. Um, but of course, all the qualities of the Mad Queen, if you would have given them to a man, it would not have been seen as right. that. She would have been seen as powerful um, and steadfast in his principles Mm -hmm. (laughs) rather than crazy and emotional and the fact that she she started descending into quote madness after Jon Snow rejected her is even worse there's so many elements of Daenerys story that is just Mm -hmm. terrible Mm -hmm. like so terrible clearly no women were in the writer's room at all can I complain about this one particular scene from the series finale yes please so it's this long boring drawn out scene (laughs) between john and Tyrion, (laughs) where i'm just like can one of you just shut the fuck up already where Tyrion is trying to convince john of danny's quote-unquote madness and has these couple of lines about you know she burned the slavers of astapor and you know they were evil so they deserved to die she crucified the miranese nobles because they were crucifying children and they were evil so they deserved to die she burned down a bunch of calls in 
uh oh what doth doth vase i don't remember what their place is called what it's called yeah (laughs) but she burned a bunch of calls because they were they would have done worse to her and we cheer her for it like she does all these amazing things yeah violent things and we cheer her for it and it's it really said a lot to me (laughs) about how because Benioff and Weiss wrote this episode and directed it it really said a lot to me what they think about giving women power that if you continue to do so it'll all go to her head and she will not be able to take it seriously and she will lose her mind and I think a lot of it has to do with the idea that the more a woman, their idea is what I'm assuming is that the more a woman gains power, the more a man loses power. And for that, we have to go. Yeah. So that scene was infuriating and I tweeted about it. Yeah. And then had a bunch of dudes be like, but what about Sansa? I'm like, don't even start with me. (laughs) You don't want to start with me about Sansa Stark. I mean, it comes down to this basic premise of white men not wanting to give up space. Yeah. And I think that, like, they're very obvious in their fear of that. Like, all the people of color in this show were, first of all, barely existent, <laughs> or they were cannon fodder, mm-hmm. or and then they just up and left. They were like, mm, we're leaving. Yeah. We're done. Mm-hmm. What? Like, they were just props. It was I saw, ridiculous. I saw somebody talking about the Dothraki. Like, it looked like they all died in the long night. And then they, there was a ton of them there for Daenerys's big speech, and then all of a sudden they were gone. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's ridiculous. Schrodinger's Dothraki. <laughs> yeah, so stupid. Same with the Unsullied. Yeah. Like I thought a bunch of them died, and here's like a, an entire like field of right. them. Which, ooh, making your uh your your man of color general the what is it the master of yeah. war or whatever. Um, so he can go take his armies and conquer the white <laughs> in this land. Looks real great. <laughs> oh my god! I we we could be here all day talking about everything that's wrong with yeah. this episode. Yeah. So like, but like there are serious things wrong with the optics of, of surrounding women and people of color in this episode, in this entire show, to be honest. But mostly in this yeah. season, right? <laughs> And so that being said, as as much as we have a bajillion and one issues with the entirety of Game of Thrones, but this last season in particular, we're not like <laughs> we're not calling for a rewrite because that it's yeah. it's just dumb. It's not doing anything. It's not going to work just because it worked once for Mass Effect 3 doesn't mean it's going to work for everything else in the future. <laughs> Shut up and go read fan fiction. Yeah. Or wait 20 years for the reboot. <laughs> oh, God. And that's what I did last night. I was grumpy. You read fanfic? I did. I sure did. I curled up in bed and read some fanfic and went to sleep, and it was great. Yeah. Because in, in my world, like, in my little A Song of Ice and Fire world, like, Sansa's been Queen of the North for a long-ass time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. And Daenerys isn't a poorly written character. So that all being said, bringing it back to the people who were complaining, the men who were complaining and equating um, the the toxic last Jedi haters and people calling for a rewrite of game of Thrones. um, Jesse very pointedly said that they are all white men, 
Or white passing men. Yeah. And <laughs> I... God, it's just been a big old trend in the past, like, year, year and a half within the Star Wars Twitter community. Seeing, like, a bunch of these male allies suddenly showing their true colors when women criticize them, specifically. But, like... A lot of women have been talking about some of those men for a long time, and nobody listens to us. Yeah. No one listens to yeah. our concerns. We all know. We all talk. Yep. <laughs> I don't think people, I don't think men realize that. It's like, all of us know. Yeah. Like, I have DMs with a lot of, like, just a lot of women in fandom mm -hmm. that just, we just talk about everything. Right. And not just, like, group DMs, like, one-off DMs with, like, random women that, like, you know, listen to the podcast or we, like, talked once about Rose Tico or, I don't know, anything. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, like, how it works. Like, you make, make a connection with someone and then you start chatting and now you're friends. That's how <laughs> <Amazing>. this works. <laughs> but, like, we talk about shit because we, we trust each other and we all get it. We're all, like, kind of in the same boat most of the time mm -hmm. where we don't know who to trust. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, we have to know. Yeah. Like, it's important to feel safe as a woman on the internet to know who you can talk to and know who you can't talk to and be real with. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so I know quite a few people have you know private twitters and whatnot and uh, i'll do this every once in a while where if like i start to talk more um with a guy in fandom like friendship um building and all of that like i'll go on my private twitter and be like is this a okay person or am i getting yeah. played right now <laughs> yeah i regularly ask people like well i didn't used to do this but now i do mm -hmm. like if i get invited to go on a podcast or if mm -hmm. i get asked to give an interview or to to do anything and it's a guy, it's a guy and it's someone that i don't know very well i ask around i'm like who is this do you know him mm -hmm. what's his deal and if no one knows him i don't respond mm -mm. <laughs> because uh -uh. i don't trust him nope. and same goes with like going on podcasts like i've I've gone on some podcasts that I regret going on now because I didn't take the time to step back and ask or just think about it. Mm -hmm. um, and like, I do that all the time now, which is probably why I haven't guested on a podcast yep. in a long time <laughs> because I'm just like, no, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be your, your token woman of color mm -hmm. that comes on to talk about only representation. Right. <laughs> and that's just the sad fact of being a woman in fandom is you just you it's hard to trust people right because of situations like this because I publicly say I don't agree with you and you're erasing real concerns mm -hmm. and then like a whole dramatic situation ensues because of it right <laughs> like, right I you know to protect myself mm -hmm. to protect ourselves we have to do stuff like this and it's stupid but yeah it's it's really frustrating that like it's always the white dudes that profess to be oh I support representation mm -hmm. um they invite a lot of female guests and women of color on their podcasts and people of color um they participate in hashtag events mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> um but when it comes down to it like they don't really listen nope. and they don't want to listen because they've given themselves. It's a self-appointed allyship. Yeah. You don't get to declare that you're an ally. Like that's not something yeah. you go, you know, I 
am an ally of the LGBTQ plus community. And it's like, okay, so what have you done for us? Yeah. How is your language reflective mm-hmm. of that? Are you aware of how you use pronouns? Are you aware of the language you use when talking about an abortion debate? Are you saying mm-hmm. women or are you saying pregnant people? Are you aware of gender issues? Mm-hmm. And do you defer to the opinions of people that are oppressed? Or do you make up your own mind based on what you think your experience is as a white man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You tell and you don't show. Yeah. And the the one thing that I tweeted about, I, I did a thread, is is part of being an ally is giving up space. And yes. it's it's and I mean this wasn't even about the situation. This was about something else having to do with the abortion debate mm-hmm. that's going on right now, but which is also just weighing very heavily on a lot of people in this country and the fact that like like Game of Thrones is doing shitty things to women. It's just a big culmination of like how this country feels about women. And it's very exhausting. And so a lot of women lately are just not doing well. (laughs) Like we're just, we're just emotionally spent and, um, and not just women, like femmes, non-binary people, um, people, trans, trans men can have uteruses and get pregnant. Like Mm -hmm. anyone that is going to lose bodily autonomy in, in this state, like it's, it's a hard time right now (laughs) for, for people that, um, stand to lose a lot. Um, so the fact that like this drama is going on Mm -hmm. and that these self-appointed allies can't even give up space to say we're upset about things Mm -hmm. (laughs) um that have to do with this show that are not just like whiny criticisms like they're actual like societal systemic issues that are prevalent in the writing and entertainment industry like Mm -hmm. the fact that that's just dismissed and then as soon as anyone gets called out on it there's just a big shutdown and everyone gets blocked and then there's all this drama and everyone's being apologized to except for me Mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I'm the only woman of color yeah. to say anything mm-hmm. like what does that tell you there's a particular situation <laughs> when you and I said the exact same things and you were blocked and I was not and our yeah. friend Jacqueline was blocked who is a trans woman and I was not and yeah. a lot of other our friend Sarah got a full conversation uh-huh. who and we did not. <laughs> and she was also not blocked. Right. So little things like that where you think you're being slick, we see right through you. Yeah. And like maybe you don't even realize it. Maybe these are all your unconscious biases. But then stop calling yourself an ally if you're not willing to examine them. Yeah. Like everybody has blind spots. Oh, yeah. I have blind spots. Like, you have blind spots. Mm-hmm. We don't all have all the intersections of oppression upon us. Like, there's some things that we just won't understand because we don't have the experience. Those are blind spots. It's okay to learn from them, right. to listen to people that do live with that oppression. Like, and it's also okay to just stop talking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just sometimes shut up. And it's okay to let other people have the microphone that have that experience. Like right. the fact that white men were saying that this was not a big deal and we're, we're like kind of looping Game of Thrones issues in with The Last Jedi, like toxicity was just so peak white man. Mm-hmm. I was just like, 
really? Like, did you not watch the last three seasons of Game of Thrones where there was like actual unnecessary extra rape right. written in? Right. <laughs> like, that didn't bother you? Like for shock value only because mm-hmm. that wasn't in there. That didn't bother you. But uh, but a petition. Oh, no, that's that's so annoying. The delicate sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 taking it too far. Right. Wow. That just really shows your priorities as a human being. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, I've gone, I've evolved on the word ally many times in the past, like, few years. Mm-hmm. Because at first I was like, no, we need these people to <laughs> help us because it's a white man's world and we're operating within a white man's world. But as I have listened and researched and gleaned for their information and read books and listened to podcasts and basically just listened and learned from people who know better than me and have been doing this their entire lives versus the last like five years. Mm -hmm. Like we have to disrupt the entire system instead of working within it because the system does not work for us. (laughs) Like we can't make the system work for us ever. That's not going to happen. So we have to change it. And that's, that's what, you know, decolonization and um, examining your biases is all about is realizing that the system doesn't work for everybody. And if the system is working for you to give up some privileges and to give up some some things that you might enjoy right. <laughs> to let the world work for everyone. Right. And that's hard for people. That's like that's why we're at where we're at right now is because people don't want to give up power. Right. This is getting real meta. I'm sorry, but this no. is like my entire manif- manifesto of beliefs and <laughs> political act- activism. And it's all connected. Yeah. It's all connected. Because, I mean, that's literally what we get out of like Daenerys's last scene is her saying that she wants to. It won't work. Like, we can't make all of these men love me. So we have to tear the system down and bring it back up. Now, the problem is, is you know, she gets to decide what's good and that's, you know, yeah. that's an issue, but that's fashion. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's totalitarian. Right. <laughs> but the idea of we have to rebuild an entire system because the system currently won't change with us. That's not a bad idea. I know. And that's what sucks is like Benioff and Vice like demonize this idea of breaking the wheel by turning her character into this. Right. Like, and then the fact that in that stupid like council they had that Sam like brought up democracy <laughs> and everyone laughed at him. I was like, this is really like how you feel. Yeah. Like you think democracy is a joke and you think that decolonizing the entire system is a joke. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't even get to my point about the word ally, but oh, sorry. I don't like that word. I, I know I distracted myself. It's fine. Um, um, the word ally bothers me because you shouldn't need a pat on the back for doing the right thing, for giving up space, yeah. for fighting for people's rights, even if it means you giving up some of your own like privilege. That's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, 
and the fact that people call themselves allies is even more disgusting yeah. to me <laughs> like, yeah. because it's like, oh, you have decided that you are worthy of attention and thanks and graciousness for this when it's like, dude, I live in this world every day and I don't get thanks for this. I don't get thanks for speaking about about things that matter to me because I it's for my survival. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 mind boggling how. It's like, oh, I, I'm doing the the bare minimum, and I feel like I should be thanked for it. I should, I should, you should thank me for participating in your hashtag event. You should thank me for coming to your aid in an argument against some like alt right crazy person mm-hmm. in your mentions. You should thank me for voting <laughs> for a candidate that's going to do the right thing versus voting third party or making a protest vote. Like, you should thank me. The list goes right. on and on. Like. I don't have to fucking thank you guys for anything because you and your ancestors are the reason that we're here. Right. <laughs> like, right. and to be fair, like this country prides itself so much on like individuality and like making your own way. It's like that conversation is hard to have with people, but like, I'm sorry, white people ju- benefit from being white for generations. Mm-hmm. Like my parents didn't go to college. My parents, my dad was lucky enough to save enough money to own a house, but like, my grandmother never owned property. She took she didn't even own a car. Like she took the bus to her three jobs, never learned how to drive, never had health insurance, mm-hmm. like <laughs> until she got Medicare. Like we don't own anything. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have like houses and investments that go back like generations. Like and a lot of people are in that situation in this country. Like right you have to you and i'm sorry but you have to like think about that when you're talking to these to, to women on the internet about how their opinion doesn't matter about this because it's just a tv show right, right. all right i'm off my soapbox but we love soapbox <laughs> time with jess <laughs> i know i'm all sweaty now too i'm like heated <laughs> oh. oh god but in in continuing in the same vein of representation and the importance of like seeing things in media because whether you like it or not fiction definitely influences reality the way we consume media impacts the way we act within our real world um and so since this month is mental health awareness month we decided that we want to talk a little bit about mental health and mental illness let's start by talking about how star wars portrays its mental illnesses Yes. Well, first of all, if you feel comfortable, do you want to talk about your mental health? Yeah. Oh, always comfortable. So we can we can so we can see where we're coming yeah. from. We're not just random. Yeah. Voices. I actually in the, night. The, the header for this part is <laughs> mental illness brought to you by the mentally ill, <laughs> which I don't like using that that phrasing. You know, you use people first language, so you say people yeah, with yeah, mental yeah. illnesses, but it's funnier. I can make. Fun and we're of allowed myself. to joke about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can fucking say I'm crazy. Shut about up. ourselves, not yeah. about other people. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I can't remember a time when I didn't have a mental illness. So that's Aww. fun. Yeah, little baby second grade Abby developed a hefty dose of generalized anxiety disorder and have still have that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, high school Abby threw in a couple of panic attack specifiers which was great. I think when I was like 11, I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. 
Um, and then just last year, last May, I started going to therapy and which hey, changed me too. Me? Oh my <laughs> gosh. We truly are therapy Thursday twins. We are. Oh my so God. Crazy. So cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, going to therapy fucking changed my life. But in, in this journey of, of seeing a therapist, about three months in, so I started in May, about August, we're talking and I'm describing I'm describing symptoms that I know in my um, mental health worker brain are symptoms of bipolar disorder. But I didn't want it to didn't want to admit it to myself. Yeah. Until my therapist finally was like I think you got bipolar too, um, as in the number two. Uh, and yeah. I was like, <laughs> shit, you right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I saw a psychiatrist. I've been on mids ever since. But yeah, that was that was a hard transition. You would think yeah. like, well, you're already mentally ill. What's another one? And it's like, yeah, what's another one? And there is such a huge stigma. There's a huge stigma around mental illness in general. Um, we yeah. all know that, but I personally, just as a person with mental illnesses, feel like we as a society have kind of softened more towards, um, like depression and anxiety. Oh, for sure. And I think part of that is it, it affects a larger number of people. And so they're seen as kind of like the less scary mental health disorders. So you have those and then you've got the quote unquote scary mental health disorders, which are severe and persistent mental health disorders like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, other psychotic disorders, personality disorders, stuff like that, that people don't want to hear about, that people will say, oh, that person was asking psycho or yeah. um they have schizophrenia because they were being weird and cr and crazy and all of that. So it so it's hard kind of going from a <laughs> sounds so dumb, but like going from a disorder that people understood to one where we would talk about it in my psychopharmacology class and half of the room who are all masters of social work is saying like, you know, people who go into hypomania or mania are scary and I don't like them. Like that, yeah. it, it's hard to, <laughs> to kind of go into that in terms of mental illness. But yeah, that's my, that's my journey of having a dumb brain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we all, we all have them. Don't worry. All brains are dumb. Um, They are. Yeah. Um, I grew up Asian, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we didn't talk, we didn't talk about mental health at all. My dad's a veteran and has never seen a psychiatrist or a psychologist or any type of therapist. And he's also a survivor of extreme poverty and racism and gang violence. Mm -hmm. um, and he's doing okay, considering. But <laughs> um, that just being said, like, I had a lot of childhood trauma. Never once was I taken to a grief counselor or any kind of counseling. Mm -hmm. And I probably should have. Um I started going to therapy also in May of last year because mm -hmm. I was in the throes of a major depressive disorder, major, major, <laughs> a major phase of depression that was like interfering with my work and my relationships. And uh, it was really bad. So I finally got help 
changed my life. I'm on meds. I have a major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder, which I now talking with my therapist have probably had for most of my life, but I was mm-hmm. just pushing it away and trying to survive mm-hmm. um, because that's what you do when you don't think that treating your mental health is an option or that's only for the really extreme cases like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, mm-hmm. <laughs> like things like that. Like people with depression don't need that. Like you're fine. Don't cry. Like right. you're fine. You you live a privileged life. Like there's no reason why you should be upset and, and depressed. Like, Yeah. So, uh, uh, guess what? Like, even though you might live a privileged life, you can still have these mental health disorders. Um, and it's, I mean, and there comes like a whole level of guilt with that as well. Mm -hmm. Like that you get to navigate within your, (laughs) within your disorder as well. So, but, um, Thanks to some great friends that I've met on Star Wars Twitter, I now have a great support system where I feel free to talk about this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, I have actually been feeling this way for a long time. And not that it's normal, but it's normal within these circles. Right. Like this is an an unusual way to feel about myself, to be like, oh, I hate myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, oh, others feel the same way. There's some comfort in that. Yeah. <laughs> like, even right. though we're all in this like shitty place together, like at least we're all here together. Right. At least <laughs> some strange. At way. least we all want to die, but we're not in crisis together. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so my journey f- with mental health is like very, very new. Um, and I've only like just within the past year. I mean, it's been like a year, I think, mm-hmm. actually, since I started going to therapy. Um. Or even like thinking about this stuff. Like I remember talking with like one of my friends being like, because she was going through a lot of depression and she has like a lot of childhood trauma that's really bad. And I was like, I don't think I have that. I don't think I have that problem. She's like, are you sure? Like you've been through a lot. And I'm like, "Mm, I think I'm fine. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, oh, I'm not fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's okay to not be fine. But I think my point of all of this is to say, I think if I would have seen more instances in not only my family life, but um, probably in media of people with mental health issues going to get help, I probably would have done this a lot sooner and I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be where I'm at today. I would be in a much healthier place. Mm -hmm. So that's why representation is important. (laughs) Right. Well, and like I grew up in a very, trying to find a good way to phrase this, um, in a household that supported talking about mental health. Yeah. Um, my dad is also in the mental health field. Uh, he's specifically within like the substance abuse world. Um, mm-hmm. So mental health has never been a taboo subject in my house. We were always, we, I'm the only child. Um, but, you know, like I was, uh, <laughs> me and my imaginary friends were <laughs> always free to go and talk to my parents about like, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling anxious or something like that. Or if like I had a question about drugs, I could ask. And so in that, I was very, very blessed to be raised in a household like that. But it still wasn't enough. Okay. So I have one other thing to add to Uh my upbringing, which I think might resonate with you. Mm -hmm. I was also raised very religious. Oh, God, yes. And so (laughs) it was one of those things where if you're not happy, you're just not serving God good enough. Mm -hmm. You're not (laughs) Or your relationship with your relationship with God is not as good as it should be. So that's why you're depressed. So there's an element of that as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had a lot of, 
um, good old fashioned Catholic guilt for many, <laughs> many, many moons. Um, and still get it from time to time because that shit doesn't go away. <laughs> no. Because um, a lot of my depression, anxiety heightened during my middle school years. And that was when I was like involved in junior high youth ministry and doing oh my mission God, trips. Oh my God. Like, okay. uh, <laughs> but seriously, like a lot of like depression and anxiety came from feeling like I wasn't good enough or like right. pure enough or whatever. Right. <sighs> And then you like I had the I had the fun added thing of like knowing deep down that I was bi but wasn't willing to say it and especially with a not not within the context of the church. Oh god. That created its own anxiety and depression and that was fun. Oh god. There's all these things that kind of contribute to our mental health journeys. Um and some are some are good and some are shitty. But even in my situation where, like, mental health has always been an open subject in my house, it still wasn't enough to get me to get help. Because <laughs> I had the support from my parents. Like, they were like, yeah. you know, go, do it. Like, yeah, we're totally for you. My dad helped me find a referral for a therapist. Um, yeah. But it, he, I remember he found it for me in October, and I didn't call until May. Oh, yeah. I, like, I was <laughs> – this is what always kills people is – I'm a mental health professional. I have a bachelor's in psychology. I have a master's in social work. I have thousands of clinical hours under my belt, and yet I couldn't get help for myself. Imagine how much harder it is for someone without your resources exactly. and your knowledge. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's because we as a society don't fucking talk about mental health. And when we do, it's not always in the best of lights. And so when when our when our favorite shows or our favorite movies or our favorite books like just completely ignore mental health, that plays into it. That plays into it's sending us the message that we should too. Right. And like you think that people think that shit like that doesn't, you know, well, it doesn't really correlate. But like I was I was reading a study today, like a big old nerd. Um I was reading a study about uh, uh, about suicide today and some of the things that increase risk factors. And one of them was like suicide being portrayed on a TV show yeah. in a negative light. Um, so shows like 13 reasons why. Yeah. See, that's a, that's a show that portrays mental illness and it does a terrible job at it. Yep. Um, so, so I mean like the way we consume and the way we watch media really does have an impact on whether or not we're going to talk about our mental health. Let's talk about mental health in Star Wars. <laughs> where is it? I don't know. <laughs> where's Where's the space therapist? <laughs> I want to be a space therapist. Oh, no. Know. They had therapy Ewoks. Oh, God. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Could you imagine just having a therapy Ewok? <laughs> First of all, I don't like Ewoks. <laughs> Second of all, Ewoks are beings, not pets. Exactly. Third of all... <laughs> Like, what the fuck, Chuck Wendig? I am still so upset about that. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm. Just if because... someone handed me an, a therapy Ewok, I would throw it out the window. Like, oh my what God. are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I would make sure there was something soft for it to land on, oh, but okay. I'd be like, go away, please. <laughs> you are not what I need. Oh. Also, what do therapy Ewoks do? They just are companions, or do they, like, can you talk about your feelings with them and, like, help you sort things out and be an objective source of information? Like, what do they do? I think 
Chuck Wendig could fuse the idea, like, he, he, obviously of he was dogs drawing. Yeah, he was drawing inspiration. <laughs> well, he was drawing inspiration from therapy dogs, but there's a difference between a therapy dog and an emotional support animal. So, yeah. like, uh, Charlie, my dog, who is being a very good boy and just laying in here while I podcast, which he is never allowed to do, but he's being very good. I could technically register Charlie as my emotional support animal because he is one of my protective factors. You know, when I'm feeling awful or, you know, get instances of like suicidal ideation, Charlie is always on my safety plan because I would be I'd I'd be devastated at the thought of him not knowing where I went or something like that. But like Charlie is not a therapy dog. Therapy dog, which <laughs> I feel like he'd be a great therapy dog. He just doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> the two big ears on the side of his head are for decoration. But like he's not a therapy dog because yeah. dogs have to be actually trained in that. Like therapy dogs, you can get them for like PTSD and they can sense when you're going to have like a a flashback or something like that because they've been trained to do that and so <laughs> i think what he meant was like emotional support ewok no i think it's i think i think <laughs> Which it's is still not great <laughs> that's like a friend <laughs> <laughs> that's called a friend <laughs> an emotional support that's ewok not- is just a friend <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's a title. Oh, <laughs> oh god. So yeah, we have emotion or we have therapy Ewoks and that's it. That's the only mental health support we have in the entire galaxy far far away. <laughs> the world in which our favorite characters live in is literally <laughs> full of war. <laughs> Hence, yeah, like PTSD is uh-huh. very prominent hence, <laughs> trauma. Hence the Star War. Um, <laughs> but I can't think of a single character within Star Wars that hasn't been exposed to trauma in some way, shape, or form. Especially in terms of like our heroes have been repeatedly <laughs> exposed to trauma and yet nothing. The the nope. first time I felt that we truly got a sense of mental illness truly impacting someone, um, being truly debilitating, having an impact on their daily living was Luke in The Last Jedi. Yeah. I had this conversation with um, Sapphic Skywalker so, oh, a couple months ago, um, myself and our friend Nick. Uh, guested who is also a mental health professional guested on sapphic skywalkers and we spend a good chunk of time talking about why placing a diagnosis to a character isn't cool (laughs) um because a million reasons but like the reader's digest version is like it can um when you tie disorders to specific characters it can kind of lead down a dark path of being like well evil people always have this disorder and so that disorder means you're evil kind of thing like that and also because like we don't make diagnoses lightly (laughs) like i don't just walk into a room and i'm like i feel like you have depression okay bye yeah let me bill you for that yeah um so 
I'm careful to say, like, I feel that Luke displayed signs of depression because there's a difference between signs and symptoms. Signs are what I, as the therapist, notice, and symptoms are what you, as the client, tell me. Uh, and I combine those to make a diagnosis. So I'm careful to say that Luke shows a lot of signs of depression throughout The Last Jedi. Yeah, because he's, he's not sitting in a session telling you his <laughs> no. symptoms because that's not possible. But God, do I wish it was. <laughs> You really want to be no. Luke's therapist? I feel like that would be It'd really be a hard. Big conflict of interest. HIPAA would kill me. <laughs> God, let's talk about Leia. No, I was going to say, I feel like Leia is the most traumatized of them all. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> like, literally, her planet has been destroyed, right. and Homegirl doesn't have a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, like, my mom died, and I should have had a therapist. That's one person. Right. <laughs> like, literally, like, Leia's mom, dad, planet, adopted mother, adopted father, everybody, gone. True. Like Friends. Yeah. Home. Safety. All of it gone. And, and <laughs> she gets no moment to grieve that we see. Yeah. Which is important. We should yeah. see that. That is a great representation for mental health, to see someone grieve, to see that it's okay to grieve. Yeah. Luke got to grieve. Luke did get to grieve. And I go back and forth on this of maybe that was Leia's way of coping. Yeah, was, helping others. Is, yeah, is to help others. Yeah. And that is definitely a way I cope. Pushing it all aside for later is also another way I cope. But... I know that that wasn't George Lucas's intention when he wrote the scenes the way he did. He wasn't thinking like, you know, I think Leia uses, I think Leia uses these um, coping skills. And (laughs) (laughs) oh, your palpy is great. Oh, thank you. George Lucas is is too much, (laughs) too much. (laughs) One of these days, I'll do my Yoda, and that it'll all be over from there. Oh, God. Um, But anyways, like, George Lucas obviously wasn't thinking of Leia's mental health when he was writing A New Hope. Pretty sure. Pretty sure he wasn't. (laughs) No. Was not in any way, shape, or form. But, like, Leia is one of those characters who is repeatedly exposed to trauma um, and has to... This is a thing that a lot of women have to do um, when we are exposed to trauma, when we are exposed to stressors and all of that, we are expected to kind of like keep calm and carry on, if you will, um, where we are supposed to put that aside and be there for other people. Um, it's kind of like the mother figure idea. Yeah, of- the the brooding female uh hero is not a thing like <laughs> no no we really put not. our shit aside and we have to get shit done and it doesn't matter if like we're dying inside and that scene is a sign of strength to be able to do that yes which is a problem yes. i'm a strong person even when i lose my fucking shit and cry <laughs> you know yeah because crying is coping too imagine that yeah uh, and it's None a very healthy things... way of coping. <laughs> right. None of the things I do as a result of my mental illness don't, they, they don't make me weak. No. And to kind of push that narrative that you are less than because you have um, a mental illness is super ableist, first of all. Um, and second of all, isn't any different from what we're already telling ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so... We don't need another voice in there saying you're worthless. 
you're not yeah. good enough. Like I tell myself that plenty. Thank you. I need mm-hmm. someone to tell oh, me yeah. I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doing just fine. <laughs> you're doing great, Jess. You're doing great, Abby. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um can we talk about some bad portrayal of representation in Anakin? Yeah. Cuz that's complicated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anakin is complicated to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> um cuz Anakin is another character that is repeatedly exposed to trauma. He's essentially born into a traumatic situation. Yeah. Um Anakin <laughs> is the, the quote that I always, always, always associate with Anakin is cool motive, still murder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like people will use that excuse all the time. Well, look, look at all of his trauma and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, but like, look at all the other people in the galaxy who have trauma that don't go and kill children. Yeah. that don't commit a murder. <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they don't do a genocide. <laughs> You can you you can have the nuanced view of Anakin and be like, yes, he he had a rough go at it, um, and wasn't exactly put in a position of using healthy coping mechanisms. Didn't even know what they were, first of all. But at the end of the day, that still doesn't excuse him from the terrible decisions that he's made. No, it's it's very much so like when a mass shooting happens. And it's done by a white man because it always is. Um, and, I just rolled my eyes so hard. Right uh-huh. now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but then all of a sudden news stories are like, this man was depressed or he had anxiety. And it's like, yeah, fucking me too. And I didn't go and decide to sh- shoot up a school. Like you, <laughs> It's not a fucking excuse for your shit ass behavior. No, absolutely not. I mean... If I did have an excuse, if I could just, like, not go to work and, like, mm-hmm. just do whatever the fuck I wanted because I'm depressed, that would be great. But that's not yep. the world we live in. Nope. <laughs> and also, that's not the world I want to live in. Right. How about Obi-Wan? I put Obi-Wan in here partially for you. <laughs> um, because I know how much you love a sad Jedi. I do love but a sad Jedi. I think Obi-Wan is another one of those portrayals of... Shoving everything down. <laughs> yep. And going um, and being a hermit in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Is a, that is. sounds like a, a bad movie. idea, to be honest. No. Like, that sounds really great more and yep. more than I think about it. <laughs> just befriend a herd of banthas. Yeah. Just live in a cave. Oh, yeah. Commune with other dead people <laughs> in the forest. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Conduct seances. <laughs> Oh, God. But yeah, I think Obi-Wan, I think Obi-Wan, we can say like, oh, you know, the the reason he represses a lot of his feelings is the Jedi. But I feel like if you were to put Obi-Wan in a real life context, he's a great example of how men repress their feelings because men are not allowed to talk about their feelings. Yeah. Um, it's a perfect example of like toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um. I'm going to talk about suicide again, but people are always surprised to learn that um, those that men are have the highest rates of completing suicide rather than women, though women have the highest rates of attempting suicide. 
And a lot of that has to do with the fact that men are not allowed to talk about their feelings. Um, they're not allowed to seek help. And so then, you know, you've, you've tried to cope for so long and this is your only path. Or what you think is your only path. Right, 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 right. What your brain is telling you is your only path. And I think we kind of get a little bit of this from Obi-Wan. Or am I yes. conflating that with a fan fiction? <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of I kind of do under I I worry about conflating his sacrifice with suicide because I yeah. don't think that's where you intended to go with this, nor do I think oh, no, it's no, no. where it is going with this. But um so there was this piece, and I think we should link this in the show notes because it changed my life, and it's on passive suicidality. Mm. And it's about the idea of not being connected to being alive, but having like floating devices out in this ocean of depression that keep you afloat, that keep mm -hmm. you from sinking to the bottom. And I feel like Luke was that for Obi-Wan for so long that when he finally realized that Luke was going to be okay, he was able to let go of the idea of being alive Mm -hmm. I might be stretching this, but that's kind of how I feel <laughs> having read this piece, mm -hmm. which was amazing, but should be, if you're not ready to read it, definitely don't read it. Um, and also there's this whole mystic element of him being able to transcend his human body and be able mm -hmm. to be with Luke in a different, in a different way that still kept, it still technically kept him alive. Like, in the most basic sense <laughs> like he's right, not right. bodily alive but he's spiritually he is alive mm -hmm. um so i don't know that obi-wan's complicated in in that sense i think mm -hmm. um but i do feel like there's an element of that because he failed miserably like he's the reason that luke has no father or mm -hmm. his father is out being nuts in a sense like he saw all these signs of anakin possibly going to the dark side and he didn't do anything mm -hmm. like he didn't step in and be like hey buddy tell me about your feelings <laughs> like <laughs> like you should as a good friend yep. <laughs> ewok would not do that <laughs> good friend should <laughs> oh my god um, i don't know what ewoks would do i try to pretend they don't exist because they oh don't my god. <laughs> sorry yes, i'm sorry see fun. the game the the floodgates have been opened and now my hate for Ewoks is just out there and I can just talk about it all the time now and I just don't care. Oh my god. They're murder bears. They're scary. <laughs> they would eat your face off <laughs> as you're telling them about your feelings. <laughs> oh my god. You added gin. I did add gin. And I'm I was stoked that you did. Uh gins path resonates with me a lot because she's lost her parents I mean not my dad's still alive so that's not really a good comparison but like she's lost she she watched her parents die like in mm -hmm. front of her eyes and her coping mechanism was just to run away from everything mm -hmm. and to just suppress anything and to just not care mm -hmm. and that really resonates with me <laughs> I feel like that probably resonates with a lot of people. It's just easier to deal with it by not dealing with it. And I feel yeah. like a lot of characters in Star Wars do that. But Jin, for some reason, is the first time that... I mean, like, we've seen Leia do it over and over and over. But Jin, I think, we we were allowed to see an emotional response from her, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to her father. And to see 
see her journey from pushing it away and pushing it away and 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 pushing that pain down to turning it into something um that meant something yeah and i think that's powerful and that's like i feel like the one instance in star wars maybe cassian too cuz he's kind of in the same same boat as Jin. A lot of people in Rogue One are mm-hmm. <laughs> like trauma, trauma, trauma. Oh, let's do something to make this trauma worth it type of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, I definitely like, I feel that like as someone who's gone through a lot of childhood trauma and just trauma in general, like I would love to make this productive. I would love to turn this into something that can help do something to help people or like educate people. And I try to do that. I try to just be really open about my journey because I know it's helpful to people. And that's like the one small thing that I can do right now that I feel strong enough to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I don't feel equipped to give anyone advice on anything <laughs> other than that. <laughs> other than to just go to your therapist because I don't know what to say. But yeah. Um, I, I feel like Jen is, is a very unusual it's an unusual representation of mental health in Star Wars because we don't get to see it, mm-hmm. characters be emotional about loss or about anything. <laughs> yeah. And then we don't get to see them do something about it, whatever that is, whether it's most of them just do nothing. I don't know. Anakin's kind of right. the opposite end of that spectrum. He's, you know, he went and killed a bunch of people because he was, <laughs> that's not the best representation of what you should do. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but I, I like Jen's because that's like what I would want to do. I mean, hers is a very extreme form of that. Like she went and like gave her life to save the galaxy, but like, I don't, I wouldn't mm-hmm. do that to be honest, but <laughs> like, um, like being able to turn my pain and into, into something that could help people is like powerful, I think. Yeah. That's a big mood. Whole ass mood. What would you have liked to see in Star Wars, mental health-wise, do you think that would have helped you as a kid? Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. I don't... Just quiet moments of characters talking to one another about their shit. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe if there were a moment or two in, like, one of the original trilogy movies of Leia getting to process anything. Um, that would have been nice, especially in terms of her having to process learning who her father was. Oh God. Yes. Um, like having a quiet moment, like the, the scene um, on Endor, like it, maybe if it didn't cut off where it did, we got to see Leia and Han having a conversation and Leia being like, I feel like shit. Yeah, hold me. <laughs> I need to feel a connection to someone. <laughs> yeah. It's just like those little teeny tiny moments. Like I, as much as I would love uh, an entire like book series of all my favorite characters going to therapy, I don't necessarily need that. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with it's It's the little quiet moments where it's also not made like it's a huge fucking deal you know what i it's mean it's just normal like it's not <laughs> yeah like this is just what we talk about yeah i would have loved to see a scene where leia had to get dragged out of bed by luke like come Ooh. on we have to get up and do this <laughs> oh yeah or just like something like that mm-hmm. to show that like that process because mornings are hard for me <laughs> yeah. oh yeah 
for that purpose. Like, do I really want to get out of bed? And not yeah. because I don't want to go to work, but because I don't want to be with myself while I'm awake. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. There was this co- like little comic thing that uh, somebody had made. I saw, I saw it on Tumblr a long time ago, and I will desperate, desperately try to look for it. So one, I can credit the person, and two, we can share it. But it was one where we get a moment of seeing Leia processing that she lost Alderaan. It has it centers around her hair that she's like she's like pulling her hair out like I hate this hair. I can't wear this hair anymore because it reminds her of Alderaan. And so something I don't know something like that would have been incredible. And I have to try and find this comic because it's gorgeous. Fuck man emotional terrorists <laughs> i know oh but that's like that's so meaningful oh my god i feel like too we really do need to see like this is war star war yeah. like yeah. we do really need to see people process like like i would love to see like veterans affairs <laughs> for star wars to see yeah. how like soldiers process the after effects of war, whether that's PTSD or depression or anxiety or whatever it might be. Anything. Because Mm -hmm. war is traumatizing on so many levels. Like, refugees, soldiers, leaders, like, anyone involved in it. Mm -hmm. But we have so little of that. At, at, At the end of the day, like, it's the same thing with any other kinds of representation is seeing this helps <laughs> yeah. the, there's nothing to lose by putting positive portrayals of mental health within your media and and that's not to say like you know everything is hunky-dory all the time in terms of mental health like i have depression i'm seeing a therapist like we can see our characters struggle yeah that's okay that's part of the process but like also the importance of seeing them come out on the other side yeah because that give as a as a someone who suffers from mental illness that gives me hope and hope is mm-hmm. so important when you are depressed mm-hmm. <laughs> like any little thing that's how i felt with like luke in the last jedi thor in avengers endgame oh god like if you had told little abby watching like the first thor movie that one day the one of the characters that she'd most relate to is thor she probably would have laughed at you um, but dude, so relatable, just like yeah. feeling oh like God. a failure and like being depressed and isolating yourself and gaining weight because you just don't mm-hmm. care anymore. And like that doesn't just go away in a second and that doesn't become like an like a, a character arc, lose weight and not become depressed anymore. It's yeah. like that's still a part of who you are. Right. You experience these things. And dude, and like I love Thor's story in Endgame. Yeah so much it's so meaningful i don't like that his weight gain was a joke in a lot of scenes that really bothered me but the fact that he didn't have like character development based on losing weight or surviving his or like turning around his depression that i think that was the thing was well one because i mean it fucking hit way too close to home for me because in my last big depressive episode i gained a whole bunch of weight that I had lost, I gained it all back and then some. And that's been something that I've been struggling with for the last couple of years now because 
my issues with body images for a whole nother podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll do an episode on that. Don't worry. Because yep. I have a yep. whole spiel. <laughs> yes. Jess and her soapboxes. Um, <laughs> seeing that, like, the, at the end of the movie, I was I was totally expecting it to happen. That, like, when Thor did his did his lightning thing, that he would, like, magically lose weight in addition to his beard being braided. Um, <laughs> and the fact that he didn't was really important to me because then we could see that, you know, he could still feel like shit. He could still be depressed and have, you know, all that's happened to him still happening to him, but he can still save the world. Yeah. And he's still worthy. He's still worthy. And when I saw that in the theaters the second time, like when he gets, Mjolnir or however you say it yeah um when he gets the hammer back when he's like yes I'm still worthy I cried I know and like I know it's meant to be like a funny scene because the way he says it is is funny but at the same time it's just like as a person who sits there and tells themselves that they're worthless like all day to get any sort of glimpse of worthiness is like the coolest feeling in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and then to see that. this this literal literal god go through, you know, very similar feelings and then come out at the end showing everybody that even though he feels this way, he's still worthy is just really fucking important to me. <laughs> it is. God God bless Thor. <laughs> god bless Thor. I fucking love him. He supports the lesbians and the women. <laughs> Thor, protector of the lesbians. (laughs) He is our depressed baby who is still worthy. And I don't know what else. (laughs) And teaches us that we're all still worthy, too. Yes. Yes, he does. Um, This would be a good time for us to mention that the next campaign for SW Rep Matters is this Friday. No. Next Friday? Mm -hmm. This Friday, I don't know what day this Friday. This Friday, May 24th, and it's on mental health. So um, I encourage you to use the hashtag SWRepMatters and contribute to the conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. Talk about what mental health in Star Wars means to you and where you'd like to see more and what you've seen so far that you like or don't like. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'll be there supporting each other and talking about it together. And the last time we did this campaign was like a year ago, and it was... So meaningful and so comforting to see so many people just be like, I struggle with this um, and we're all in this together and we all love Star Wars and we love each other. And it was great. It was a big love fest. So I'm excited for Friday because it's a tough day. Sometimes it's triggering to see a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. about maybe a mental issue that you that you struggle with, but it's also comforting in in some ways. So. Oh, yeah. If you feel comfortable, if you can, please participate. And know that we're always here for you. Yes. Even we if are. you if you if you can't post. Yeah. We if know. you also if you don't feel comfortable posting something publicly and you want to DM one of us mm-hmm. or anyone in the Star Wars Rep Matters crew to just be like, hey, can you anonymously post this for me? Um, screenshots or whatever you want to do. Like we're t- we've done that before in the past and we're totally fine doing that again because we know not everyone is in a place where they can be open about this. Like our country doesn't right. allow for that sometimes. So right. I, I get it. <laughs> we get it. Yeah. And harking back to our conversation about allyship, Star Wars Art Matters days are a really good way to help show that. 
um, Mm -hmm. where if you are a person who does not live with a mental illness, if you just don't say anything and boost the hell out of other people, that's how you show you're an ally because you're not taking away space from those who do. Please no threads of, I don't have a mental illness, but... But, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. I mean, unless it's like my wife does and here's what she has to say. And then you sure, quote her. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's different. Because different. <laughs> we've had people do that too. Like I remember I have cousins that are native that are not on Twitter and I've totally like, can I take a statement from you? <laughs> and like, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about your basic psych 101 knowledge of mental health. I'll just come for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, you can listen to us loves a beautiful town on itunes google play and spotify and you can tweet at us at lbt pod we will be um retweeting stuff from the pod account um on the hashtag star wars what matters day on may 24th again so y'all remember um you can email us at lousy beautiful town pod at gmail.com and jess where can they find you uh you can find me at space jess with four s's in the jess And you can find me at Abby M. Cecilia. And with that, go take your meds. (laughs) And don't use Ewoks as therapy animals. Why don't you like the George Lucas impression? Oh, I can't I can't not laugh. I'm trying to mute what? myself. What the hell? Why don't you like my why don't you like my impressions? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>